This is Clutch Radio on 1090 The Fan. Now for an inside look into the world of all things auto, here's your host, Dan Rosenberg. Welcome to Clutch Radio. I am your host, Dan Rosenberg, your friend in the car business. I've spent my life loving cars, buying, selling, and trading them. Ah, how much fun it's been. Riding in the back seat. Yes, as a child, I did do that. And Uh, have they loved you back? They have. Cars have been good to me. And that's why we're here each and every Saturday at 3 right here on 1090 The Fan to talk about cars. Back in the studio, oh my God, John Hibbs. Yeah, that's hey, right. Hey, John, welcome Four back. Four weeks on the heel. Four weeks ago today. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, two days. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Four, four weeks ago last Thursday. Yeah. Wow. And that is unbelievable. Two more weeks until I can drive again. Woo-hoo. But you were open. You were cut open and- Yep. I, I, I almost- Did uh, see my scar? It's, Ooh, it's radio. A, it's radio. But yeah, it's I'm a radio star. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, somebody helped Derek up. <laughs> oh, he's uh, oh. Our producer passed that. out. Uh, sorry about that. But uh, John is back. Four weeks ago, he was wide open, and uh, nobody dropped a junior mint into his. Nope. No heart junior area. mints dropped. No. Uh, no hiccups. Awesome. It's good to have All you back. Well, your voice still sounds uh, yeah, sultry goodness. as ever. Yeah, they didn't tighten anything down. It can still go as low as I can go. You can Jiminy click it. You can take it high or you can take it low. And also, Rafi's been here each and every week. Here you are. Rafi Manassian, who is the- uh, The Iron Man of- the, uh, Yes. Clutch Radio. The uh, auto designer, the car aficionado. Aficionado. Yeah. You know some about audio. You know a little bit about audio. And I just saw your pictures of your uh, your wood mock-up that you're doing to build your car. Is that yeah. what that is? Yeah, that's what it is. It's a- uh, it's a station buck, so there are various station planes we've done in uh, wood, and then we'll use that as an, an armature to form the metal over the sections. Uh, we'll roll out the metal, hammer it out to the details. Roll out the metal. Mm-hmm. We got a da, 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 da. Mitch Miller. There you go. Oh, I was gonna say, wasn't Distant that a Metallica cousin. song? Distant cousin of mine. <laughs> no, it was roll, roll out the barrel. Barrel. We got a barrel of fun. Anyway, welcome to the show. We've been here just chatting, and we, we've officially started now. Last week we talked about uh, financing and how getting a car, how you know financing is very important and how to look at the different options in financing. This week, as promised last week when the fine Paul Holiday was here, uh, hi Paul, since he always says hi to you, you should say hi back to him. Howdy, Paul. Uh, we're going to talk about trading in a car because oh, a yeah. lot of times you know it's very easy to sell a car if you just want to sell it. That's an option. There's m- multiple ways to do that, but when you actually have to trade in. What are the best ways to trade in? Now, one of the important things to realize is you can trade in any car. If you're on a lease, you could actually trade that in. People don't realize that. Yeah, that is a common misconception. You are right. Yes, and I had I was actually at a dealer a few years ago. And now, I, if you're borrowing your Aunt Maybelline's car, you may not want to trade. You may that not one want in. to trade that yes, one you in. Have, <laughs> yeah, you have to be on the title or the registration at least at some point yeah. to have the legal representation. Yes, because when you lease a car, you don't actually own the car. The leasing company is listed as the owner, and you're listed as the registered driver, registered operator. But you can turn it. You can trade in a lease. I've had friends that have traded in leases and actually had equity, meaning they had it was worth more than they owed to pay it off, which usually never happens. But they got some crazy deal on the lease, and they put no miles on it, and the value of the car, like a Prius after gas is at five dollars a gallon, went up. So they actually had equity in the vehicle. I have a story I'll share later about my trading in of a Prius. During the gas crisis. During the gas crisis and right after the earthquake and tsunami when they couldn't get any more Priuses or Prii over here. And I I made money on a five-month-old lease. There you go. I will tell that story. But 
both of you have traded in cars. I know you both have done it. Rafi, you've had 2,000 cars, so I'm sure at some point <laughs> you've traded at least one of them in. Does anything stand out, top of your head, something, a, a trade-in story? Well, this is, this is probably my favorite trade-in story. Do tell, do tell. So many years ago... I'm listening. There you go. <laughs> many years ago, I had purchased a vehicle... Uh, and I'm going to uh, leave the particular vehicle okay. out for a moment. I purchased a vehicle with the idea that I could fix it up, make it nice, and sell it. And I bought it out of an auction, so it was fairly inexpensive, and there was plenty of room left in it. So the idea was, I'll fix it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got started on it, drove it a little bit. It required a lot of work, so I decided maybe not such a good idea, so I just stored it for a while. Well, after a while, I got it where it was running pretty well, going pretty nice and everything. And this was about five years later. I wasn't paying attention to the value of the vehicle, but my mom needed a car. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, mom, why don't you drive this car? So she goes, oh, geez, I don't know. Said, it's reliable. It's, everything's fine. It's good. And my mom was working at the local city college. Uh -huh. So she said, all right. So she took the car and she drove over to city college and she parked in the city college parking lot where everybody else parked. And she went in for a day's worth of work. Well, everybody started talking. Whose Rolls Royce is that? Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then they figured, Royce. <laughs> figured out it was her car. And my mom was very low-key, so. Not anymore. <laughs> no. So <laughs> she came home and she said, that's it. I am not driving that car anymore. Get rid of it. I got so much attention for it. I don't want anybody knowing it. So I said, all right, well, what kind of car do you want? She says, I I'd like a Toyota Camry. Perfect. So I literally went with the Toyota Camry to the dealership, and I drove in, and of course, every single salesman came up on me. Oh, you went with me. the Rolls Royce? To yes, the yes, yes. They came up on me, and I said, I said, here's the deal. I said, I want that green one over there, and you're going to take this car and trade in. And he says, okay, we can do that. I said, straight across, no, no <laughs> questions asked. Brand new go, one? Brand new Toyota Camry. Yeah. What year was this? Uh, 19, well, it was 1990, but the car was a 1989. Okay. Get and rid of some old stock. I yeah. Think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't a highly desirable or highly optioned on. Boom. Done deal. Traded in. Out the door. And my mom could not have been happier. She drove the wheels off that thing. After she finished with it, my brother drove the wheels off that thing. I think he gave it away because uh, it had over 200,000 miles. Wow. So, do you remember what was the price of about seven thousand, eight thousand, twelve thousand? No, it was, it was around. Uh, or were they in ninety? Uh, it was around twelve, twelve to thirteen when it was all said and done. And what? How much did you uh, spend on the Rolls Royce? Six. Ah, look at you. Yeah. Look at you. You are you're you're good at this. Ah, you know. I had I had a guy. I started to tell the story a few weeks ago. I never got to finish it, so it, it kind of ties in here. I had a guy who was selling cars in uh, Pennsylvania. Northwest Motors in Where they Ambridge, still Pennsylvania. Have blue laws. Yes, it closed on Sundays. Yeah. And guy comes in and he knows everything. He was such a jerk. He's like, here's the deal. I want this. He was getting he got a 1993. This is when this was purple Chevy Cavalier. Wow. Purple. Had to have the purple. Plum, had, I think they call it. Had to be the Cavalier. <laughs> had to be the Cavalier. He goes, This is the car I want. He had like an 87 Mercury Topaz to trade in or something. And I won't take less than fifteen hundred for this car. I won't take less than fifteen hundred. Well, it was worth about three grand at the time. I won't take less than fifteen hundred. Okay, all right. He's like yelling at me, and my payment better. And I'm not putting more than a thousand down. And my payment, I, if it's a penny over two fifty, I'm leaving. 
I go, okay, all right. So you see, let me I, let me write this all down. And their rule there was, we could get you a car practically on your own terms. They did the old four square method, which could be a whole other show. We talk oh, yeah. about how the four square works. But they they're like we, we practically on your own terms. Like, okay, so you're, you're saying a thousand down, fifteen hundred for your trade, and uh, two fifty a month for this car. That's if I can do this, you know, if I could, would you? You've got a deal. Yeah. Okay. Go now. So I walk into the sales manager's office. He looks at. It, he starts laughing, and I'm a young a young buck. I don't know what's going on here. I'm like, why are you laughing? He goes, I don't think I can get it up to 250. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I have no idea. He goes, I can give him undercoating and pinstriping, upgrade his radio, throw a sunroof in it. I'm still not at 250 for this car. He's all right. He goes, hold on a second. And he, he writes 253 and eight cents. I go, he told me if it's over 250, he's walking. He goes, trust me. <laughs> so I walk out and I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, oh my God, what's, what's going to happen here? I'm like, Let's lay the paper. I go, sir, this is the best he could possibly do. We matched all your terms but one. Which one? I go, 253. And he was like, okay, done. He goes, I was willing to go to 260. I knew you guys, I knew you guys were, you know, trying to screw me over because this worked. I go, all right. It was the biggest commission check I ever made at that dealership. And it was on a Chevy Cavalier. There you go. Because the car, I mean, first off, he didn't know what his car was worth. He was cavalier about it. He was. <laughs> quite, quite cavalier. Yes, and he wasn't topaz enough. Ah, it doesn't make sense. But his car, I mean, he, he, literally his car was worth double what he thought it was worth. Yeah. He didn't do his research. And there was no online. You couldn't go check Kelly Blue Book. There was, you know, there's no way to find out for sure. And his he down payment. his neighbor, probably. Yeah. Hey, well, what would you pay for this? I'm going to give you 1500 All right, that dealer better not give me less. And then his down payment, he didn't even need a down payment. The car was his down payment because it was paid off. He had the title with him. And, oh, by the way, never go shopping for a car with the title sticking out of your front pocket or a checkbook. If you if they see the title and the checkbook when you walk onto a lot, you're done. Don't do it. They got gotcha. you. Yeah, they know. Just telling you. Anyway, so, I mean, they, they literally gave the guy the upgraded radio. He got a CD player in 1993. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, was, that didn't come in a Cavalier standard. He got the pinstriping. You got to have pinstriping. He got the, the paint protectant. On the purple ones. <laughs> Were they silver? Uh, they were like a goldish color, if I remember correctly, Ooh. like a beige almost. Yeah. And he got uh, mud flaps. They threw mud flaps into. This guy oh. thought he got. He we gave him the exclusive package. This guy was so happy though. And you know, normally I would have been later in my in my career doing sales. I would have been like, no, no, dude, 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 no, 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 you don't no, want we, this. We can do better. If he wasn't a jerk, I probably would have been like, your numbers are off. But he was. So when you go to trade in a car, it depends on why you need to trade it in. Like I've traded in cars because literally the registration was due and I was broke. And I'm like, well, if I trade it in, I get 45 days to have to make another payment and the registration comes with it and there's a big rebate right now. My payment's only going up 50 bucks. What the heck? I get a brand new car. I can get a job by then. Yeah. And, I get and 45 days to find work. Yeah. 45. And sometimes the job is right there at the dealership. <laughs> it's happened to me uh, only once, almost twice where I was in to buy a car and ended up working at the dealership. The number one reason people trade in their car is fear. Yeah. Because they're worried, well, it's getting up in miles. Well, I just took it over to the shop and they say, yeah, we did the oil change. We did this stuff, but here's a lot of deferred maintenance you want to take care of. That stuff comes to about $1,800. Yeah. And so people get scared. They go, I don't want to put $1,800 in this car. It's got 80,000 miles on it. I'm going to go trade it in, make it somebody else's problem. But oftentimes 
When they do that, they're completely unaware of the value of the vehicle and the $1,800 investment that you make at that point. Over time, if the car can last another three, four, six months, that that's the same money you'd pay on your payment. Right. Oftentimes, people will trade in a car, and they have zero payment. Yeah. So even if you amortize the expense of $3,000 over a year, it's only $300. Like I've said a million times, the cheapest way to own a car, pay cash, drive it until it dies. Until it literally, you can't do anything else to it. We have a friend that has a Mitsubishi box van, Jeff, over on Bainbridge. Oh, yeah, The yeah. bike guy. He's got this Mitsubishi, like an 87 or 80. He's like, find me another one. He loves this thing. They're very rare. He, he He's changed the engine twice, I think. At least, yeah. Just drive it till. I mean, he, yeah. there's no payment. Yeah. If you divide out the payments over what you're paying for maintenance, it's it's better just to keep it forever. Now, then there'll be no car sales. Right. So obviously they have to do that. Now the other mistake people make is not knowing what their car is worth, like you were saying, or getting into a car like they had a car for a year. When you buy a car, you're upside down. You owe way more than it's worth for probably three and a half years. On a typical car loan, depending on how much you put down. Put a lot down, you're fine. Most people put the minimal amount down. So you go to trade it in, and you're just financing your upside downness, if that's a word, mm. your negative equity, I believe is what they call it. Nequity. Nequity. <laughs> I had one of those on my in my throat, a nequity, I had it removed. But if you have... Uh, I thought you, that girl from high uh, high school gave you a, a nequity. A nequity. A nequity. <laughs> a hickey, a nequity. It's all the same. Toothpaste, by the way, young young fellows listening, you put toothpaste on it actually makes it go away. Weird. Toothpaste makes a hickey move. It's go the away? weirdest thing. I remember that from high school. Is there a specific type of toothpaste? Uh, you want paste, not gel. Ah. Yeah, you don't want to use like a Colgate Blue or Aquafresh. No Aquafresh. Preparation H. Oh, that would be the wrong. Well, it, it would tighten your neck to the point where you can't see it. Actually, well, a lot of a lot of women use Preparation H to help. A lot of men wrinkles. do too. Conan O'Brien uses it under his eyes yeah. before every show. Yeah. And he didn't know that's what he was using. There's a funny clip on YouTube if you look that up. Anyway, how do we get to Preparation H? Well, anywho, uh, so there's people that literally three or four cars later, they're still financing that first car. Yeah. They're so upside down. And I've seen people 10, 12, 14 grand upside down when the banks were allowing that. Now the banks pretty much set things as a percentage of Kelly Blue Book loan value. Mm -hmm. And before we take the break, true story, and I've done this many times to people, people walk on the lot and they, they would say... Hey, I want a car, no money out of pocket, and I want my payment to be exactly the same as what it is right now. Well, how much is your payment? I'm paying 220. Okay, so you want no money down, 220 a month. Yes, I've got the perfect car for you. And I walk them out to the lot, right to their car. There you go, no money down and your payment stays the same. Keep your car. It's the easiest way to do that because you really, it's hard to get another car with no money down and to keep the same payment. We're gonna talk about valuating your car. E, not evaluating, giving the valuation ah. that it deserves. When we get back, you're listening to your favorite program on 1090 AM every Saturday at 3. We're number one in this time <laughs> slot on this station, by the way. You're listening to Clutch Radio on 1090, The Fan. The Fan. The Fan. You're in the clutch. Welcome to Clutch Radio with Dan Rosenberg. Welcome back to Clutch Radio. I'm Dan Rosenberg. You're listening to... 1090 The Fan and Clutch Radio. I just said that. How many more times can I say it? Anyway, we've got Rafi Manassian. Hey, Dan. We've got John Hibbs back in studio. Hello, fellas. <laughs> Hello, boys. Hello. It's good to have you here. Uh, we're talking about what to do when you want to get rid of your car and you're buying a new car. And a lot of people don't necessarily want to get rid of their car. 
you know, people develop affinity toward their vehicles. They like them. They get comfortable with them. They understand everything about them. And, uh, you know, time comes that uh, they often get pressure from others. It's not themselves. This is true. Sometimes you get uh, a spouse, a yeah. child, yeah. a friend. Yep. I, I, I know people that always have to have the, the same car. Outside factors. The same car or a better car than their neighbor. Sure. The old keeping up with the Joneses. Well, and a lot of, a lot of people have jobs where they're worried about taking out clients. They yep. want a nicer car, a newer car. Um, real estate agents frequently change cars because they yes. want to give the appearance that uh, they're doing better. And... and this is why leasing is good for a lot of people, by the way. A two-year, three-year lease, best thing you can do because you get a brand new car Every couple of years, you don't have to deal with trading in. You don't have to worry about it. Especially if you can write it off your taxes. Yes. I mean, and we're not, if you're a business person. Right. And we're, we are not tax accountants. Please check with your tax advisor before getting any financial advice. Yes. You always have to say that. Uh, but you have to know what your car is worth when you come in. Uh, this Kelly Blue Book is kind of like the industry standard in most of the country. There are parts of the country, surprisingly, where, you know, I've heard people go, hmm, what's, what, Kelly what? But, well, and, and let's go back in time here. Bink. Okay, so it used to be a little pocket-sized blue book. Oh, you're going—you're not going back that far. I can go even further, but yes, go ahead. And the pocket-sized blue book would have all of the numbers, including wholesale, right? Uh, including average retail, and they would give you uh, specific uh, scaled numbers for options that might be on the vehicle. Right. Add for air, deduct without air. Right. Add for automatic. Deduct and these for... would be updated, I believe, on a monthly basis. Yes, yeah, some were monthly and then some were every other month. Yeah. With the advent of the internet, they're in real time almost now. We, we have to come back to present Oh, wait, day. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Is that the present music? That's it's, present. That's Was that a, was that a, uh, a Zamfir and his pan flute? What was that? There what, you go. Okay. Uh, it sounded like a glockenspiel, actually. <laughs> Just fun saying glockenspiel. But yeah, the internet now is so, so dead on. And Kelly Blue Book is kind of the industry standard. There's Edmonds, there's NADA. The, the advantage I, I like, the reason I like the Kelly Blue Book is because the company that their parent company also owns a, one of the largest wholesale auto auctions. So mm -hmm. they have access to data of what cars are going for on the wholesale level as well as the retail level and what cars aren't going for. Oh, this car was bid up to this, but it didn't sell. Right. So now they know what, what they'll get at auction, what people are willing to spend for them so they can come up with a value. A lot of banks will look at Kelly Blue Book loan value or the, or the wholesale value, the book value, which is kind of the standard term. And they'll say, okay, we'll loan 105% of this. We'll loan 120% of this. That, that's all they'll, they'll loan. So if, let's say the car Blue Book value is 8,000 and the dealer has it listed for 12,995 and they can get, you know, let's just say only 100% of book. Well, they can only finance eight grand. So now, guess what that means? That means your obligation coming in to purchase the vehicle has to be on trade or cash and trade. Right. So now you need to come up with the rest of that money. So if you've got sparkling stellar credit, yeah, you might be able to get a 125% loan, which means the dealer can sell the car for more money. And, and you know, the reason the bank does this also is they don't want to be upside down. And oftentimes when you go in to buy a vehicle, you can specifically address to the dealer that the deal won't pencil out for you. Oh, pencil. Yeah, you're using the old words. So that, that way they know that your financing is limited to a certain percentage of what is acceptable. And uh, you go in with your trade-in and you go in with your cash. And then he has to get those numbers down to where it works out. And a lot of people think that the dealer just makes up a number of what they're willing to pay for your car. And a lot of times I've worked with dealers where I could, I could manipulate the used car manager. 
and to, to make the deal work. I could say to him, hey, listen, this guy needs 25,000 for his trade when he only needed, you know, 18. But I know the guys can look at book and see and go 14. I knew a guy, they called him half off because he, whatever book was, he'd knock half off. And that's what, that's what the offer. They could say $14,000. He'd be like, I will give you seven, seven grand for it. He would start that low. Wow. And, and, and he would get steals all the time. He would get people, okay, I don't care. Just, yeah. I, I guess that's what it's worth. Now you can do your homework. You can go online. You can see what the car is actually worth. One thing that people don't get, though, from a dealership standpoint, if I look at, like, Mannheim, which is one of the largest auto auctions, and they have a thing called MMR, which is Mannheim Market Report. If I look at a car, like, let's say, a 2014 Honda Insight, which the Rock Rent-A-Car fleet just added, correct? Beautiful car. Quite a beautiful one, yes. Yes, John Hibbs, the general manager of Rock Rent-A-Car over on Bainbridge Island. Any cars available right now, John? Uh, right now, no. Ah, but the weekend is always so busy. <laughs> yes, there's a truck available. Uh, <laughs> but you know, somebody asked me the other day, "Well, wh- how much would that car? You know, how much is my car worth?" I said, "Well, if I can buy that car at the auction for twelve thousand, why would I give you any more? There's no need. For, I, can, I know I can go to the auction right now and get that car for twelve grand. So why am I going to pay you twelve grand? And my, if, as a customer, I would say, well, because you don't have to pay auction fees or shipping fees." And you can actually physically see the car right now. You can go take it for a test drive that you really can't do auction day. You can do it before the auction. You also get the benefit of when you're presenting your car to a dealer on trade and you want to tell them, hey, there's a one-owner car. All my records and receipts are here. It's never been in an accident. I got new tires on it uh, you know, six months ago. And it was recently serviced uh, by the dealership. Right. 600 bucks. Did its 60,000-mile uh, service. This is ready to go. You oftentimes don't get that kind of information when you buy at auction. Correct. So there is a little bit of extra value, but if you're looking for 15 grand and the same car is going through the auction for 12, and they can go to the mileage and to the model. So they can say, you know, this is, you know, the the, the LT1 with 35,000 miles and yours is an LT1 with 35,000 miles. Well, the auction, I can get it for 12 grand. I'm not going to pay you 15. There's no- Apples to apples. There's no reason I'd pay you 15. Unless, of course- I am inflating your trade-in value to make the deal look pretty to you. And the way they do that is they'll say, oh, you want 15 for your car? I'll give you 15 for your car. But now they're not going to discount their car. Whereas if you got the true value of your car, you're going to get the true discount. Or on uh, they, might, they might take uh, the larger percentage interest uh, on your, uh, your payments if you finance through the dealer. Right, make it on the back end, yeah. as they say. Well, and that's, you know, the, the four square, which most dealers don't really use this as much anymore. More, a lot of dealers are going into more of a one price, or that's probably a good, a good thing to talk about for next week's show. But you can go into a dealership and say, I, I don't have a trade. Like we talked about that a little bit last week. Like you, you hide your trade. Yeah. You make the deal based on here's how much per month. And that's, by the way, the worst way to go. Never go just payment. Know it in your mind. But here's the price of the car. Here's what the monthly will end up being if I get the car at this price. And at the last minute, well, what's your down payment? And then it, you could say $2,000. Let's say you have a car that you think is worth $2,000. $2,000. Okay. So they treat it like cash. Then all of a sudden you bring the car in. Now they're kind of stuck at giving you the $2,000 unless they go, well, your car is only worth 1000 I need another 1000 Well, no, deal breaker. Yeah. I want this car right now for this price. And they're, they're in business to sell cars. It's hard to believe that dealers really do want to sell a car. And that's, I used to have customers be like, you just don't want to sell me a car. 
No, I do. <laughs> Turns out that's why we're here. I don't get paid if I don't sell you a car. Of course I want to sell you a car. I just don't want to sell you a car and lose $17,000. So if you're going in to a dealership yes, and you know you're going to trade your car in, a couple things you want to do, get it cleaned up, vacuum it out completely, make it look as tidy as possible. Yes. If you don't worry if, about getting new tires or getting the brakes done or any of that stuff, they're going to have to do that anyway to get it uh, certified right, used right. if it's within their their area of interest, but get it cleaned up, tidy it up, get every single piece of paperwork that you have on that car and put it into a three ring binder or put it into a folder or something like that. And, and then as Dan says, go online and look at kbb.com and do the printout, go to Edmonds and do the printout, go to auto trader and pick comps and do the printout so that you understand exactly what that car is worth, both at retail and at wholesale. Right. And all those numbers will be available to you. Yeah. Put that together, and then you've got that information. You're armed so that you can get the proper amount for your trade-in. Also run a history report, like our good friends at VinAudit.com. VinAudit has a great history report. It's inexpensive and a very effective way of getting information on your car. Right. So you can find you, you can prove, okay, I'm the only owner. You can prove this is the correct mileage on this car. Uh, you can prove, you know, well, they can prove it by the VIN anyway, but, you know, if it's got a certain engine configuration, the VIN can break down certain things. But, yeah, if you go in completely, remember, you're selling a car. And when, when I was in the dealership space, I would actually, when it was time for the train, I'd go, okay, let's switch roles. And sometimes I'd physically let them sit on this, uh, sit in my chair, sit in the comfy chair, and I'd come on the other side, okay, tell me about this car you're selling. There you go. And have fun with it. Let yeah. them sell me their car. And a lot of people just don't realize that the dealer needs cars. I know for a fact, Rock Rent-A-Car just sold a, a beautiful Kia to, yeah. West, to West Hills Kia. Ah. And they were like happy to buy it. And okay. they're like, if you have any more cars, we always, we'll buy other cars. We don't just need Kias. We need cars. The dealers are always looking for good quality product to sell. And if they get a good price and they don't have to go to auction and then pay for transportation and all that. So. Exactly. That's, so you, you figure there's probably 500 to $1,000 that in potential auction and transport fees for them buying a car at auction compared, there, to, compared yeah. to buying it from you. And there's that uh, additional risk that they don't know the entire history of the vehicle. Right. Now, they can look at the auto check or they can look at the Carfax and they can see one owner, but typically you don't get to test drive a car. And you often don't get auction. all the history, the, uh, the records, the receipts, the amount of money that's been spent on the vehicle. Right. Or two sets of keys. Yeah. Always, please, for the love of God, keep your keep extra your key. keys, people. It's unbelievable how many cars, people just lose the extra key. And you know what happens? It's in a drawer. Yeah. I, I have a drawer full of keys from cars I no longer have. <laughs> because I've done it too. Find a, a way to keep your key, or even better, rotate. Because if yeah. you have like a key fob and it's electronic, if you lose one and you have to get another one, guess what they have to do? They have to reprogram that's your other right. one, and now you, the other one you have is dead, because when they give you a new one, they reprogram the, the both of them. Yeah. So I have I have a Mercedes key that I tried to sell on eBay. I thought this would be a genius because Mercedes you can't even reprogram it. Oh. Once they kill it, it's dead because that way there's no way to clone them. It's, ah, sure. And it's a three hundred dollar key. So I'm I'm thinking somebody on eBay is going to want to fool their friends, ah, and throw a Mercedes key on the keychain. Yeah. So, uh, my other car, I don't drive it that yeah. often. Yeah. So I put it for 20 bucks. I'm like, for 20 bucks? Yeah. Somebody will buy it. Nothing. Nothing. I ran it twice, as a matter of fact. I'm thinking, well, maybe nobody, not enough people saw it. What do you do with a key you can't sell? 
I don't. It's still sitting. If anybody wants a key to a Mercedes, <laughs> clutchradio.com. Yeah, go to clutchradio.com. Send me an email. Don't be walking around the airport parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Clicking, clicking. I'll tell you what would be on. fun. If I had extra keys, I, and I have to admit, I'm a bit of a prankster, I would go to the uh, biggest hotel I could find and get to that valet key box, and I would just start inserting extra keys. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bastard. <laughs> They'd be like, I don't and understand. Then, and then I'd pull up a chair. Yeah, <laughs> so that I can and a go, hook a GoPro up somewhere and just sit there and yeah. oh, that's my sport. You could do it there, or you could do it like at a, at a car dealership, oh, a restaurant. Yeah, um, you name it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, well, do you have any extra keys? You I, have to have a few. I do. I have to admit, I have several extra keys from several vehicles over the years. And you find yeah. the valet key. It's oh, I have a valet key. Yeah, I never use the valet key. The valet doesn't even use the valet key. No, it's ridiculous. I've got keys. I'm looking at going. I never had a whatever brand this is. Yeah. Buick. Why do I have a Buick key? Well, you know, not that long ago, probably 35, 40 years ago, uh, town we lived in wasn't that uh, big. We used to keep all the keys in the car. Yeah. You just keep it in the car. Always knew it was there. Yeah. People used to keep their title in the glove box. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? In case you're out racing. Yeah. We're, race for titles. We're going for pink. There you go. They're not even pink anymore. Yeah, that's true. They've been green. pink in forever. Yeah, but it's, that's I think in California they the were pink. Sticks. Yeah, they were pink. And then they went rainbow. Rainbow. But and you I, can't say, oh, we're going for rainbow. <laughs> so anyway, the the point of LG, our entire LGBT yeah, racing yeah. night down at uh, Meyerson Road. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. Uh, Gentlemen, start uh, your Prius. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with the Prius. Anywho, now that we've completely gone off the rails, the point I'm trying to make is if you are out there trying to to trade in a car, know what you're trading in. Sure. Don't get taken advantage of, but also know the dealer's not going to give you retail. It just doesn't happen. You, if, if, you're, if you see listings on Auto Trader that this car, people are listing for $15,995, don't expect sixteen grand for your car. A, auto trader is listing price, not sale price. Right. And B, the dealer can't pay retail because how could they can't they can't keep selling cars if they're paying retail and then selling them for wholesale. Now, one last thing I want to jump in here on. If you are traveling to another state. Yes. And you know that that vehicle, by doing your research, has a slightly higher uh, desirability in that state. Right. You can... Sometimes it's going to make a difference to drive that vehicle to that state and then sell it there yes. or trade it there. Right. Like a Subaru in Los Angeles, not worth as much as a Subaru in Oregon. Sure. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do the game. <gasps> the, oh, the game. game. in studio the for the game. You're listening to Clutch Radio right here on 1090. Law fan. The fan. You're in the clutch. Welcome to Clutch Radio with Dan Rosenberg. Welcome back to Clutch Radio on 1090 The Fan. I'm Dan Rosenberg. Sitting with me is Rafi Manassian. Hey, Dan. And back in studio after four weeks of heart surgery. Well, it wasn't four weeks of surgery, but you had surgery four weeks ago. It's John Hibbs. Huh? Oh, sorry. Oh. Dozed off there a little bit. Still not quite <laughs> up to my game. Uh, yeah, I'm back, baby. You are back and better than ever. Go, 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 go. 
heart of rock and roll keeps beating. That's right. Huey. That, yes, ask Huey Lewis. <laughs> All right, we're going to play the game. If you are tuning in for the first time, where have you been? Gosh, where for have starters. you been? And uh, the way it works is I'm going to ask a question. John is going to attempt to answer it, whether it's a easy answer or not. He's going to give it a try, and sometimes he knows them, sometimes he doesn't. And Rafi is the expert on almost all things automotive, so I think he'll know the answer to all of these. But I think you can leave that. He's the expert on all things. <laughs> he is kind of just an expert. <laughs> He's like a smart Cliff Clavin. He is. Oh, geez. That's going to hurt later. Right, a smart Cliff Clavin? <laughs> does, he li- does he still live on Fashion Island? I think he does. John yeah. Ratzenberger lived on... Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. He's a big environmentalist. and He had a place in Seattle that made... Uh, Packing peanuts. Packing peanuts, yeah. yeah environmentally he is He is in every Pixar movie. That's true. And he is he's worth a, a ton of money because yeah. if he gets just if he gets a dollar <laughs> for every for every movie he's been in with Pixar, every time it's shown, he's making millions and millions of dollars. I think it was Cars where he's like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. They're using this guy in That's every the same yeah, voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same voice. I have a funny story about him on an airplane. I'll tell it later. Because right now we're playing the game. Here we go. It's time for Is It Real or Are They Full of Shit? All right. So the first question is, John. I'm ready. MPG. You hear MPG all the time. What does MPG mean? Well, that actually comes from the law enforcement. Uh, That is that, uh, you know, there's people out there that, you know, not nice and they, they, they touch people. Oh, uh, I am, right. You're a multi-person grabber. Oh, a multi-person oh. grabber. MPG, yeah. I a see. Multi-person grabber. I, I think I... <laughs> multi-person I grabber. I want to say somewhere down the line, there there was an uncle ah, who hmm. got... Yeah, but that he, was a long time ago. Multi-person grabber. Yes. Of course, in the automotive world, what does it really mean, Rafi? In the automotive world, what it really means is... And this comes from dealership terms. They want people coming in. They're not sure what they're going to do. They don't know about anything uh, with the purchase of the car. So what they say is uh, MPG, make people guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Make people guess what the price is, what the details are. <laughs> what do you, yeah. That's what you want. Because by making them guess in the dealership, you're engaging them. All right. That's why they're out there scraping off those uh, stickers. Yeah, and turns out Volkswagen's been doing it for years. (laughs) Yes. Of course, you both know you're wrong. Yes. (laughs) It's miles per gallon. Oh. And the one thing I want to tell people is the dealers and the manufacturers do not make up those numbers. They are independently tested. Sometimes incorrectly. Incorrectly. Yeah, the manufacturers might manipulate the way the car performs to get the test numbers to make sense, but MPG is a guideline. It's not a guarantee. And you've heard stories of people that have sued. This said, my car would get 38. I'm only getting 31. Well, it's in optimal you conditions. your foot in it all the time. Yeah. Ma'am, take your foot off the gas and there take you your other foot off the brake. <laughs> all right. We're going to go to an Italian car question. Uh-oh. Ah, that's a good one. Uh, the Zonda. The Zonda. Zonda. Not Honda. Zonda was produced by which car manufacturer? It's a very small company, by the way. So it's a, it's a, it's a Zonda. A Zonda. A Zonda Zaccord was there. Uh, <laughs> they had the Zaccord. You sure the, the letter just didn't kind of. <laughs> they, had, they had the Zivic. The Zivic. They had the Zaccord. The Zaccord. The ZRV. Italians, you know, we like the Z. So the Zonda. The Zonda. The Zonda was actually the company's name was LM Motors, and it stood for Luigi and Mario Motors. And the Zonda was actually used in. The Mario Kart games, uh, that's one of the cars that Luigi and Mario would drive. The Oh, the Zonda. The Zonda. Oh, yeah. so Yoshi was in a Zonda. 
There well, you go. Uh, Yoshi actually had his tie-in with a with a Peugeot, but oh, okay. that's okay. Okay. How about that? All right, uh, Rafi, the Zonda. Have you heard of the Zonda? I believe I have, and I think the Italian company that makes the Zonda is Pagani Motors. Oh my God, <laughs> he's right! Wow, I thought they made those little candies that you get at uh, you know the Paganis, Spiros. <laughs> Isn't that the, the little mint? John's the, over there, and in the back of John's head, he's thinking the Beach Boys song. Help me, son. Help, help me, son. Oh, yeah. Help me, son. The Pagana is an Italian car manufacturer founded in 1992. They started producing the Zonda in 1999, and they ceased production in 2011 and replaced it with the, if you know what they replaced the Zonda with? The Zubaru. Zubaru. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I believe it's a, it's a difficult word to pronounce. That is true. The Huayra? It's good enough. H-U-A-Y-R-A. You, my friend, win a, a, a cliff <laughs> a cliff, a cliff, a cliff bar. bar. There you go. For cliff, the <laughs> cliff, cliff Clavin. Bar. A smart yes. Cliff Clavin. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't realize it's a cliff bar, and he's a smart Cliff Clavin. Hey, Cliffy. Hey, hey. All right, let me ask you another question then. Let's go to... Uh, in 1960, John, oh, Chevrolet introduced a rear-engine car. No manufacturer in the United States had made a rear-engine car. What was the name of the car? Uh, That's dead air, John. We need a little- I, I know. <laughs> I know the hard thing. You know, we, we, uh, can we, okay, we only this, for so this far. hard thing going on. It, it was the, uh, the, the Chevy Corvair. The Chevrolet Corvair. Unsafe at any speed, which, by the way, was not. True. That is right. Yeah, Ralph right. Nader. My mom is still pissed. She had one of these. You heard your dad made her sell it when the book came out? Or? No. No, she just, no, it just died. It blew a rod. Yeah. They uh, did blow rods. We had a, yes. I had a neighbor who had one, and she would take like six of us to school. In a Corvair. In a Corvair. I, I swear we were all like, okay, Mrs. Knowles, we're ready. Come well, on, it's raining out. You kids don't want to walk to school. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington. It's always raining. It's always out. raining. <laughs> All right. So hypothetically, if this answer is incorrect, Rafi, what car did they make that was a rear engine car in 1960 by the Chevrolet Motor Company? <laughs> well, it was actually, John is not correct at all. Oh, okay. No. The car that they made in 1960 that was rear engine was uh -huh. the Olds Toronado. The Olds Toronado? Yes. Chevrolet made the Olds Tornado. Yes. <laughs> it, was all, it was all GM. <laughs> they, they jobbed it out. What am yes. I supposed to say? John got it right. I couldn't even think of something. Yes. And? I think of, well, what's the, how about a Vega? No, the, the Vega was later. Uh, I guess it was, whatever. Uh, the car, by the way, was manufactured until 1969. And the next version of it is actually, if you look at the body, pretty much the Corvette. The next version, they had a really cool-looking style that they were making for the third version of the Corvair, the sporty one, and that's what ended up being about, I think, 76 or so Corvette ended up looking just like that. Interesting design idea. Interesting. But they had, and they had multi-versions of the Corvair. Oh, yeah. You had yeah. a two-door, a four-door, you had a, a, a van. Yeah, you had a wagon. And you had a wagon. Yeah, yeah you had the... Uh... And the pickup truck. Uh, the pickup truck or the step side, which had a unique uh, side door yes. that would come down and it would be a ramp. So if you were a gardener, you could roll your uh, wheelbarrow lawnmower up there, wheelbarrow, whatever. Manure. In manure. There. Yeah. And Motor Trend actually gave it car of the year yeah. prior to Ralph Nader writing his book, Unsafe at Any Speed. Well, it was an amazing car. I mean, uh, in terms of technology, it had rear engine independent suspension. Uh, it was very fuel efficient. It was... Uh, you could get a lot of people in it, witnessing by John's Tacoma school story there. Oh, yeah. 
lots of people, front bench seat, back bench seat. And uh, it was a very economical car, uh, low price. And they sold tons of them. They were very successful. You know, you, you rent a car for 10 years and you yeah. model line, that's successful. They did sell quite a few of them, hundreds of thousands of them. And believe it or not, we're tied. We have to do a very quick tiebreaker right. question. Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker question. Tiebreaker. If you've ever say, seen the size of a tire, mm-hmm. yes, it starts with a P. What does the P stand for? Like P215, 65R15. What does the P stand for on a tire? John Hibbs, what does it stand for? Uh, the P actually stands for P for urine. Oh. That, uh, <laughs> that when, uh, how often That's a dog, dog will, will pee urine, on your tire? Will pee on your tire. Sure. Okay. So that number, P20, means that with the About life 20, of the tire. 20 times a year. Actually. This, this is fascinating. I did not know that. Yes. Wow. That is weird wild. That Ed, is, Ed, did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that, Johnny. All right. Uh, Rafi, what does a P stand for <laughs> on a tire? <laughs> I believe it is the speed rating for the for the tire, the qualifier for the speed rating on the tire. Uh, it actually stands for passenger tire. Mm. Passenger tires have a P. LT for light truck. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I well, don't know. there we go. We ended. We ended to this this day tied. Tied. Fully tied. Fully tied. The Cliff Clavin Bar one, one, stays one. with me. Aww, oh, delicious. A delicious Cliff Bar chocolate chip peanut crunch will be next week's prize right here on Clutch Radio. <laughs> and it'll we'll, even taste we'll better not next week. Yes. <laughs> At a Cliff Bar, you can keep those for years. We're going to do some news when we get back. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Clutch Radio on 1090. Wait for it. The Fan. The Fan. You're in a Clutch. Welcome to Clutch Radio with Dan Rosenberg. Welcome back to Clutch Radio on 1090 The Fan. I'm Dan Rosenberg, your friend in the car business. With me, as always, uh, Rafi. Didn't hey, leave. Didn't Dan. leave during the break. John's back. I'm back, baby. And glad to have you here. And now it's time for the news. And now, here's news and views with John Ims. Story one in the news. You'd think that Mitsubishi's current fuel economy cheating scandal would send automakers running for the hills to yeah. distance themselves from the company, like Godzilla when he comes into Tokyo. But the opposite is true for Nissan. Yeah. Nissan Motor Company is spending 237 billion yen, approximately $2.1 billion, to buy a 34% stake in the Mitsubishi Motors Corporation. Mortars? Motors. Oh. <laughs> Motors. Stake in the Mitsubishi Motors Corporation and become the company's top. Shareholder. So, so Mitsubishi is going to be Nissan now, or it already? Maybe no, already I think are. what they're going to do is they're they're just going to be a, a large shareholder. That the name won't change; they'll still be there, but they'll they'll hold a major percentage of the corporation. It says here that Nissan takes the reins from Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, which currently has a twenty percent stake in Mitsubishi Motors. The reasoning behind this decision is more focused on the Asian market than the U.S. market as Nissan could stand to gain from Mitsubishi's popularity in countries including Thailand and Indonesia. In a statement, the two companies committed to future collaboration on purchasing, common vehicle platforms, technology sharing, and joint plant utilization and growth markets. Now, I don't want to say anything bad about any car company, because when you buy a brand new car, almost all of them are pretty good. It's the used market where cars really, that's what changes. Year three, four, five, six, twenty, those years. But Mitsubishi has really made some crap. Like they're like the one left. 
that has got some serious... I don't want to say anything bad. Well, I don't want to, but you know what? I, I, it has to come out. Yeah, I mean, like, Hyundai used to be the punchline. Like, Hyundai was a joke car in the 80s, and then it slowly got better and better. And now, n- not only would I put a Hyundai beside a Honda or Toyota, I would say that they're as good, if not better, in some of their models. But between, I mean, the top models right now are Honda, Toyota, Hyundai, Kia, Buick, I would even put up there. Buick has done Ford very well. Ford is making great cars right Ford now. Ford makes great cars. But Mitsubishi, for some reason, cannot... It's just, I don't know. Is it just me? It's just you. You you like the Mitsubishi cars? Well, it's not that I like or dislike them, but they've made throughout history. They've made some pretty good cars. I mean, the Gallant was a very, very the top was selling good. automobile. Uh, the Eclipse, they sold those. Uh, yeah, but those were those. those were falling apart left and right. Yeah, we, but, we used to get those on trade in, and there would be pieces literally falling off. The seats would come apart. The interiors were bad. I don't know. The 3000 GT was nice. Yeah, also a nice car. I like that. And their pickup trucks were nice, but I think they were a collaboration with someone else. Well, and don't forget, they 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 did not uh, saturate the American market for a long period of time. So fairly short here in the United States. I'm not bashing. I'm just saying of all the cars out there right now, like Suzuki's gone. They were okay, but they were, I mean, it's like there's no such thing really as a crappy, crappy car anymore. But I think Mitsubishi's at the bottom of the barrel, if you well, ask me. The bottom of the barrel had to be Yugo. Yeah, but Yugo was barely, it was made in Yugoslavia. Barely even, I mean, they was here for a year or two. Yeah, they did. Now they're collector's years. items. And they were thirty nine ninety five. I remember. That was ah. the price, right? It was and in you know who, who was the primary importer of uh, Yugo automobiles? I don't know. I believe it was Malcolm Brickland. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he was the, the mastermind behind bringing well, in Yugo He's had a couple of strikeouts, hasn't he? Yeah, but he he also brought in Subaru fairly early into the United States. Okay, Subaru, great cars. Yeah. All right, so I guess what I'm saying is Nissan is going to save Mitsubishi because Nissan makes some pretty good product. Not the best, but overall, like I've said a million times, you buy a car for three years, pretty much you're fine no matter what you buy when you buy a brand new car. Yeah, at this point, I would agree with that. John. Here we go. Story number two. (laughs) Tesla Motors has threatened to sue Michigan. And they should. Get in line. If state officials and legislators continue to block the company from obtaining a license to sell cars in the state. Home to the big three U.S. automakers, Michigan is particularly important for Tesla as the fledgling automaker prepares to transition from a niche player to the world's largest EV electric vehicle maker a what what <laughs> an ev they're called an ev maker electric vehicle yes. electric vehicle electronic com- electric electric electronic electrolysis uh the company already <laughs> it takes this- the hair off your legs that's right Woo! <laughs> that's what that big screen's for in the front uh the company already set the stage for a court battle in february when it applied for a dealer license The state has stalled the application, demanding proof that Tesla is a franchise dealer before a license will be granted. Whether it's through the legislature or the courts, one way or another, we're determined to do whatever we need to do in order for justice to prevail and serve our customers in Michigan, Tesla General Counsel Todd Marin told the Detroit News. Well, I I have a very strong opinion about this because here's what's happening. The fix is in. All right. This is Tucker all over again. (laughs) <laughs> All right, here's what's Boy, happening. that's digging deep. I know. They are saying that-, that Who's they? they the, Michigan or right. the Dealers Associations or okay. whoever does not want Tesla or New Jersey or the big three, whoever does not want Tesla operating. Here's what they're saying. They're saying franchise law says 
that a dealership cannot be owned by a manufacturer. Manufacturers cannot sell direct because it's a violation of the franchise agreement. Because when you franchise your business, so let's say Tesla did franchise, you are breaking your franchise agreement by selling direct to the consumer because you're competing with a company that's paying you to be a franchise. So a lot of people say, well, why does that, what, what difference does it make? Well, Apple, people think, well, Apple has Apple stores, right. but you can also go to Best Buy. You can also go to MacMall.com. You can still buy Apple's other places. And Apple does not sell franchises. You can't say, I want to open an Apple store, and you pay a franchise fee, and then have them competing with you. My point is, I think what's happening with this one is they're trying to get them to create at least one franchise somewhere in the country. Because right now, the franchise laws should not apply to Tesla for one reason. They don't have any franchises. You can't apply a law when you don't have any. So there's no franchises. So they're not violating the franchise law. Selling directly to the consumer is 100% legal. There's nothing wrong with it. And they keep saying, well, you know, you can't service them properly. We were at a Tesla dealer today. Getting service on the Tesla. Getting service this morning. And it's a great service center. So they, how They could have washed the car, though. They did wash the car. <laughs> what are you talking about? They didn't vacuum it as well as they could have. But still, <laughs> the point is, it's people that are saying, we don't want to compete with Tesla. Tesla's making a great product. When they have a mainstream $35,000 car, all the other brands are going to have trouble. And they're saying, well, no, you have to franchise. We want you to have, you know, Joe Bob, who has a Ford dealer, wants to have a Tesla dealer right next door. Well, why would he ever do that? Because he can never justify buying an electric car when he's still selling gas-powered cars. But if you want to buy a Tesla, you can buy one right now here in the state of Washington because we are one of the top areas of Teslas in the Seattle area. There's a lot of Teslas here. Anyway, we're going to take a, oh, no, well, my God, it's the last segment. We're not taking a break. We're going oh, home. We're going home. We're, we're done. We're going to take a break, happen. We're going to take a week-long <laughs> break. We'll see you next week. The website is clutchradio.com. I'm Dan Rosenberg. That's Rafi. That's John. And we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Clutch Radio on 1090 The Fan. The Fan. The Fan. See ya. This has been Clutch Radio. To contact the show, email show at clutchradio.com or call the hotline at 1-855-9-CLUTCH. Tune in next Saturday at 3 for another edition of Clutch Radio, only on 1090 The Fan.